1: Cats and dogs bring into our hectic lives many gifts such as companionship, a chance to go out in nature and stretch our legs, and unconditional love. Our guest today, Carlene montes Dioka, points out that these furry companions are scientifically proven stress busters, and perhaps this most stressed out age that humanity has ever known. Carlene Montes Dioka is an acupuncturist, plant-based nutritional consultant, and animal human health expert. A former editor of movie picture films and spokesperson for the Guardian campaign at In Defense of Animals, she is the founder of the Animal Human Health Connection and author of Dog as My Doctor, Cat as My Nurse. An Animal Lover's Guide to a Healthy, Happy, and Extraordinary Life. Join us for the next hour as we explore how our cats and dogs can be our health and wellness allies with our guest, Carlene Montez Dioka. I'm Justine Willis Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Carlene, welcome. Thank you, Justine.
2: It's my pleasure to be here. It's such a
1: pleasure to have you here. I would love for you to share the story with our listeners of how you got into animal health and wellness, uh, being a film editor, and then suddenly your whole life is changing. So describe that for us,
2: please. Well, I can tell you that the moment I was born, I felt an immediate connection to animals. I kind of think that probably my first word was doggy and not mommy, (laughs) because I just felt this connection. And there was a big age gap between myself and my siblings, so I ended up feeling a little bit like an only child and a little isolated. But what I lacked in human uh, connections I made up for in lots of dogs, lots of dogs around me. So it started off early. I felt that connection. And then when I got older, I was going through a a divorce, and it was pretty painful at the time. And I remember that, I well, I had my two cats, Cody and Jester, who really helped me through that time. I, I tell people, you know, I was suffering from insomnia, a little depression, anxiety. And I could have taken medications for those things. But it was my animals, my cats, that really touched my heart in a way that I don't think medication could have ever. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, when they really helped me during that time, I thought I must be the only person going through this who's experiencing this amazing animal-human-health connection, but then I got into my private practice, and it was my patients who started sharing their stories with me, and it, they, as they would share the stories just and even the telling of the stories, I could see, wow, look at them. They were stressed a minute ago, and now they're smiling, or I could tell that their immune system had just been boosted because they were laughing, and I thought to myself, look at all the positive hormones that are, going, that are happening right now just because they're feeling happier and better. And then I would say that the last part of this equation that kind of got me here was the fact I rescued six animals and I had them with me and they all had their various levels of healing that they had to go through. And in helping them, I, I got the benefit of what they had to offer me. When you say you rescued them, what do you Mm -hmm. mean? Well, they came from various, I had, I call it my six pack. And I had Mm -hmm. two cats and four dogs. And they came from various different places. Uh, Cody, my oldest, my cat, I found him under a house with other cats. He had a feral mom. Jester was an uh, FIV cat, which is the feline um, immune deficiency. So Jester, my cat, he came, he had FIV. And so, therefore, I rescued him. I found him in Hollywood. And then I had my other four dogs, which came from various rescue situations. Teddy was an older chow, and I found him in Hollywood, or the rescue found him in Hollywood, just kind of roaming around. And uh, let's see, we have Dakota, who is another rescue from a from a pound, from, from the shelter. And then we have Rudy, whose mother got adopted. And then who am I leaving out? Roxy. How could I forget Roxy, <laughs> who came from a, a drug arrest in Watts? And and I rescued her, so these were all. This became my six pack.
1: Well, that's a that's very generous of you to to include them in your household. That's quite a full household. Do you have those many that many uh, pets
2: or companions, animal companions these days? Well, four of them are no longer here. Two of them are, but they're fourteen and sixteen. And I'm waiting for them. It's right now, being fourteen and sixteen, I don't want the um to bring in an extra animal right now because I want them to have a really high quality of life during these later years. But so you know, maybe six was probably the most I may have at some point, but yeah. who knows? You never can say
1: you use the word guardians mm-hmm. rather than pet owners. Can you just tell us
2: why why you use that term? Sure. If you think of an owner, think of what an owner, what what they have. They own, let's say, I own my computer, I own my cell phone, I own my car. When I'm done with those things, I get rid of them. I sell them, I, I throw them away. And when we have this idea or this mentality of being an owner when it comes to an animal, we've seen scientifically that owners will relinquish their animals more. They're more likely to tie a dog up in a backyard. There is this idea of this is my property. This is my possession. This is my thing. It's a commodity. But when you think of guardianship, even in saying that I am a guardian, I feel like my umbrella has gotten much, much larger, that I know that I'm responsible in a much deeper and greater way. The guardianship campaign was something that was started by Dr. Elliot Katz, who is the founder of of the campaign and the president emeritus of In Defense of Animals. I interviewed him for my book, and I remember going home after I had really heard him speak about guardianship, and I remember thinking as I was walking, Roxy. I'm your guardian. I'm your guardian. And it made me feel just much bigger in the world. And I started applying that term not only to my dogs, but to my stepchildren. I never liked stepmom, but guardian somehow made it feel like, you know what, I it's more of an allowing place. And even with my husband, who I take for granted from time to time, when I think of guardianship, I think more of it's 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 not like I own this relationship, but I am we are here together, and I even think of guardianship in terms of our environment, in terms of our world. I think it's a healthier place in many ways to come from instead of ownership.
1: I agree. It's a it's a beautiful term. It does uh, give a different flavor of our relationship than uh, something like owner mm-hmm. or or other other terms. Let's talk about um, the. Healing powers, uh, these these great healing powers, these superpowers, as you might call them. Talk about some of the superpowers that
2: our animal allies might have. Right. I always think of the word pee because it helps me to remember them. But I think, for example, I think of our dogs and those power noses that they have and how they we have dogs that we are seeing are smelling out diseases. Cancer, even here in Santa, in San Anselmo, we see there's Pine Street Clinic where they've studied how animals or how our dogs can sniff out different, a variety of cancers. You know, that is their focus. We've seen it with epilepsy. We've seen it with diabetes. There's numerous things. So I think of the power nose just in terms of diagnostics, if you want to call it that. I also think of um, in terms of like our cats, in terms of our cats, that purring. The purring is so healing. I almost find it at, like a sedative. If a cat comes and lays on my stomach or lays on my back, it's moments before I get deeply relaxed or even fall asleep. I think Some,
1: somebody once um, suggested, I think it might have been Barbara Marks Hubbard, if I remember correctly, about we should have these, these kinds of big purr cats uh, available to. The War Room in Washington D.C. <laughs> and just to calm the generals down, you
2: know. I agree. <laughs> it hasn't been lost on me that the that our current president doesn't have a companion in the in it's the true. White House.
1: That's true, and that's kind of a rarity. I'm I it i do not remember uh, in my lifetime. I don't know if. Eisenhower had a pet, but but uh, most everybody, right, especially that. in
2: current day, yeah, in current day, definitely, right. And I, I was even thinking about that when I was driving up, thinking, I wonder if uh, President Trump was raised with animals in any way. It wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't. That just reminds me too that um, you talk, you
1: mention in your book that if someone has a dog or a cat, let's say with a child in the first year of their life Mm -hmm. that there are statistics that show that these these children suffer less from uh, bouts of asthma and allergies can you say something
2: about that right there have been studies that have shown that that they're within the first year i think that is when your immunity starts to be built up in a stronger way and so this is where we see a greater resilience with asthma and with allergies
1: and is this kind of like a like an inoculation or something? Uh, having a pet around, that what what well, what's I'd the think, mechanism of that?
2: I think what happens is that your immune system gets exposed to certain allergens, and then it builds up a resistance to them. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're exposed to animals at an early age, it builds up a certain resistance. So now you have that immunity.
1: Right. Okay. So, uh, what about some other benefits? You you talked about. And uh, what about petting? Mm-hmm. What does petting do for us? They, I mean, we know that many of our pets or many of our animal companions like to be petted. Mm-hmm. They At least they show that they do, mm-hmm.
2: it seems. And uh, what's the benefit of that for both them and for us? Absolutely. I remember, in fact, this woman pretty much said it all. I remember talking to a journalist and I mentioned... I mentioned animals, and she said, oh, my God, the moment I hold my animal and I start petting them, all my stress gets released. And I think to myself, that's that's a big part of it. You start You start getting into one is I don't think that you're off thinking about the future, the past or whatever. You're focused on this feeling of this warm body that just feels so good, and you start petting them, and you start focusing, for one. You start becoming mindful of the here and the now. Your blood pressure, as your stress is being released, your blood pressure starts to go down, your levels of cortisol, cortisol, which is a stress hormone. All of us are a little bit stressed out these days, mm-hmm. and that starts to diminish as well. As that starts happening, you're also getting a boost to your immune system because you're starting to feel good, and all the feel-good hormones start to start to come up as well, start to elevate. So these are some of the things, you know, the I think it was the New York Times that made that mention that... What animals do for us in many ways is they allow us to, in the moment, as we are interacting with them, our brain stops from all the craziness in the moment, and that's where the healing begins. So there's many things that happen in that petting.
1: That's good to know. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Carlene Montes-Dioka, and she is the author of Dog is My Doctor, Cat is My Nurse, An Animal Lover's Guide to a Healthy Happy and Extraordinary Life. And if you want to know more about her work, and actually she has a a free quiz for you to take on her website, you can go to her website, animalhumanhealth.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. Here with Carlene Montez Dioka, and she spells her name C A R L Y N Montez, M O N T E S D D E O C A. And she's the author of Dog is My Doctor, Cat is My Nurse. And um, Carlene, we're talking about the benefits of the health benefits of sharing our lives with Mm -hmm. our pet uh, or our animal companions. So can you, uh, let's talk about some of the other things about cholesterol, about heart disease, depression, some of these Mm -hmm. other categories that might, that we might, and also exercise. Mm
2: -hmm. One of the things that I focus on in what I've written about is that, yes, there's a lot of physical benefits and we see a lot of science, a lot of studies that have been done on all of the things that you've mentioned. But the body is not just physical. It's emotional. It's mental. There's a spiritual component to it. This is what we consider whole body health. Beyond the studies, I mean, it's yes, we can see that from being a child to being an adult to being a senior, animals can offer companionship. They can offer friendship. They can offer relief of stress. They can offer anxiety relief. They have a lot to offer, but it's an entire gamut. I mean, they can help us in countless ways through this mind, body, spirit, the entire trifecta of human health.
1: So we're we're talking about also that animals i know that you have a chapter in your book that talks about emotional eq <laughs> our emotional quotient yes. uh, that that it it can
2: be upped when we share our lives with these animal companions one of the most important things and i would think that most parents would agree that we can teach our children is empathy and what we see with our emotional quotient quote uh, is the fact that if we teach empathy, the people that have the greatest empathy also have the greatest EQ. And what that means is we're able to be more resilient with our emotions. When things happen to us, hopefully we aren't overreacting, but we can just balance that off. Yes, life will happen, but we can be more in control of our emotions in this in a healthy way. And we see that if we teach our children that early on, with empathy that they are they have a higher EQ. So one of the ways that we can teach empathy is to adopt an animal into our life early and teach children about responsibility, about caring, about respect, about kindness, all of these things that boost that EQ and teach empathy more than anything.
1: And when you talk about empathy, I'm wondering are are is let's say especially well, both dogs and cats, but I'm thinking it, it's more prominent maybe in dogs. Are
2: dogs empaths? Hmm. Well, it's interesting because an empath sounds a little bit more like they have some magical power. I think that, and they may, but I also think that dogs and cats are extremely sensitive to a human's emotions and they are so aware. If you ever go out and walk your dog, you know they are. They can see. They can hear. They're just. They're. They're so aware. They're almost hyper aware. One of the things I learned very early on, and it was taught to me. Have, do you know who the dog whisperer is? Who they call Caesar Milan? It was taught to me very early on. When I went to see him with a dog that I had named Roxy, who was very, very difficult, she had come from a drug bust in Watts, and when I brought her into my home, she had a whole host of behavioral issues that I didn't know not not know how to deal with. And I, by certain luck of the draw, I ended up with Caesar, who actually taught me something. And this is, can I share the story? Oh, of how he love, I love. I would love for you to share it. I, sh- I showed up to a workshop that he was having with only 15 people. And when I got there, I went with Roxy, who was a little shepherd. Well, she was medium-sized shepherd, and she had an attitude boy. She walked like she owned, uh, she owned wherever she was. And so I went off to the corner with her. And when Caesar finally came out, we were in the horse arena. He came out, and he said, who has the most aggressive dog here? And everybody pointed at me. And I thought, oh, okay. And then he said, well, can I borrow your dog? And I said, sure. And as soon as I gave Roxy to him, she started completely going ballistic and just kind of going, you know, just growling. And he was completely nonchalant. He took two other dogs, and now he had three dogs, and she was kind of trying to bite now, are them. they on
1: leashes? Leashes, yes. Okay.
2: So he had two dogs in one hand, Roxy in the other hand, and he started to go around the horse arena. And the moment he started getting going away from me, she started to really go ballistic. And I'm thinking, okay, good luck to you because I don't know what to do here. <laughs> he literally rounded the corner past a tree. He came back with all three dogs in one hand. All the leashes. And she was completely not reacting anymore. And I was so surprised. And he said, "Now you do it. And I didn't know what that meant. So I started to walk. And he said, wait, 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 wait. He said, why are you so stressed out? Why are you so tense? And I turned around and I said, well, I've seen what she's capable of. (laughs) And he said, you have to let that go. If you ever want to help her, if you ever want to heal her, you have to let go of your stress. That was yesterday. Today is a whole new day. So I believe that and what I saw was that was the truth. Animals especially and dogs in this case pick up just emotions that you would you don't even know you're having. So his advice to me don't walk your dog angry. Don't walk your dog when you're super anxious. Make sure that you process or you are at least aware because they will pick it up and if they have some issues they may overreact too. They're like what's the danger? What's going on? So they pick up a lot from us whether it's um Yes, you know, whether it's empathy, I don't know what it is, but they are super sensitive to our Mm -hmm. emotions. And that's a great way for us to know sometimes when we're not aware of our own emotions. That just reminds me,
1: we're just um, coming off of the tail end as we're doing this interview of that um, record-setting hurricane in Mm -hmm. South Texas, uh, um, Harvey. Mm -hmm. And... um, was, there are so many pictures that I noticed as I was watching mm-hmm. the news and watching this unfold of all these animals that were being rescued with their their companions. Mm-hmm. And, I, and my heart just went out to them and just feeling, oh, it was so good. I was so heartened to see that all of these animals were not being
2: left behind. Right. It's true because we, by the same token, I don't know if you saw Katrina, that a lot of animals were left behind because they, the rescuers were not allowed to bring them. And now things have really changed. So I've seen so many pictures of that and it it makes me feel good because these guys are part of our family. Of course, we're not going to leave them behind. So it's beautiful that now with these rescue efforts we're including humans and animals.
1: Yes, it was very heartening. It was very heartening. In talking about how we can benefit, I you had some statistics that I found really interesting about some colleges mm-hmm. are using animals and dogs like like they're available for for rent so to speak in 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 finals week mm-hmm. as as students are going through the stress of of the finals of a quarter or a semester and that's mm-hmm. very stressful and so
2: these these animals are available can you say something about that it's funny my i had read about this but then As I was actually writing this chapter, my daughter had called me from Berkeley. My stepdaughter had called me from Berkeley and she said, they brought dogs, it's finals week and they brought dogs. So they actually brought dogs here in Berkeley to the campus to help the students because stress, as you know, is very high, especially in college when you're getting through finals, especially at a school like Berkeley. And I said, well, how did you feel? How does that feel? Did you feel a difference? And I could tell she was really smiling and she was really happy. And that was great to hear. And it did remind me of when she was at home with her own dog. It's the same kind of that lightness in her voice. So, yes, we are seeing that and we're seeing a growing amount. We even see some colleges allowing some of the students to bring animals to the college. Of course, when I say that, part of, me, part of me wants people to be very careful with that because being in college takes a lot of your time. So it has to be that you are giving the animal the care that they need. But some colleges are allowing that now.
1: That's that's a very important point that you're making because we think that we can give them the attention they need, mm-hmm. and, and we may le- need to look at that very carefully. That's true. But that reminds me, too, of another story that you tell about um, the inmates at San Quentin Prison mm-hmm. and how they've been working with a program with the Marin um, uh, Humane Society and
2: tell tell us about that program, Sure. That experience was really touched me. There is a program called Pen Pals that Marin Humane has set up where, dogs that need to be socialized, or maybe they need some medical care, for example, some medications that need to be given to them on a regular basis. But they have some inmates who are selected at San Quentin who will provide that and provide the socialization. So the dogs are brought there and the inmates can sleep with them and take care of them and get them socialized because the better socialized they are, the healthier they are, the better chance they have at getting adopted. And it was amazing. It was really, truly amazing. First of all, I'd never been to San Quentin, and I had only passed it on the road, and thinking, "Oh, that's very pretty," but when you get in, it's it's different. It's very different. When I, I was also able to go around with one of the inmates, and he was showing me, "This is what we do. This is this is how we connect," and to hear their personal stories of how, for example, I think of one of the inmates who was taking me around who said to me, you know, when I was in Louisiana, we chained our dogs, you know, we fought our dogs at just and never ever thought of them as anything more than that. And he was resistant to getting into the program at all. He thought, no, that's not what I want to do. That's not what I want to do. But he finally did. And he said it opened his eyes completely. It said it taught him to be more tolerant, not only to dogs, he said, but to other human beings. And he said it taught him to be less angry. And he realized the importance of that, and he said it turned his world completely around. So isn't that, to me, oh, that was, such,
1: right? And I, I think you also describe that the, as the inmate is talking about his dog, mm-hmm. how his voice even
2: changed. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a lightness. There is a definite lightness, and... To me, it was so powerful because isn't this the transformation we want to see in people? I don't know about you, but I don't—I mean, yeah, prison, you lock people up, but where is the transformation? Well, I
1: I think of the work at Pelican Bay, which is in Northern California, and and how so many inmates get isolated, and they don't even have even even human contact. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then they let these—when I found out that they let these inmates out— Back they serve their time and then they're let out with forty bucks in their pocket or mm-hmm. for whatever. In some, in uh, I think at that time they were let out in Ukiah where we lived, mm-hmm. and they're just then on the street on their own and they've been in isolation and it just is crazy. It's crazy. They have no skills about right. this. This that one can learn from caring from for let's say a dog.
2: That was another thing that was brought up by the woman who was taking me, who took me over from from the Marin Humane Society. She mentioned that part of the uh, part of the thing that they don't have is connection to each other. That's just not what they do because it's a survival mechanism. But when you have a dog, all bets are off. You can connect in a deeper way. I'm here with. Carlene montez
1: Dioka, and she's the author of Dog as My Doctor, Cat as My Nurse. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. here with Carlene montes dioca She's the author of Dog as My Doctor, Cat as My Nurse. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, animalhumanhealth.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. Carlene, let's talk about some specific animals because you have wonderful stories in your book that you relate, not only your own uh, animal Companions, but others. And um, I would love for you to say something about uh, Toulouse and Spider. Uh, I, I'm, they, they, I don't think were, they weren't yours, were they? Uh, no.
2: Somebody, but, but tell us about Toulouse and Spider. Sure. That was a story shared to me by Cindy, who would be so happy to know that that story is going to be spoken about right now. But basically, Cindy was a dog person. She didn't understand cats at all, and she had this little dog named Pookie, and there were two cats next door, Toulouse and Spider, who would just sit on the the fence, never come over to their yard, and the dog would bark at them, and the dog would bark at them. But uh, Pookie got sick; she, she got really sick, and she ended up passing away. And Cindy and her husband, and the whole family, was devastated, devastated. She didn't even she 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 couldn't even see straight. But she said that the day that that happened, next thing you know, both cats jumped the fence and walked straight into their house. And she said, well, she didn't really understand cats, but next thing you know, they were jumping on her lap. They were being with her. They were comforting her. And she thought that, you know, they helped her get through this time. These two cats were brothers, but they were very different from each other. One was more like the Rocky type. And the other guy was a little more sickly. In fact, he had, um, unfortunately, some kids that, like, shot him with a pellet gun. And and the other, and that was uh, Toulouse. And Spider would always protect his brother against cats, against anything else. So they were inseparable this way. But they came into her life, and they helped her through this time when she had a loss of her beloved Pookie. Well, one day, unfortunately, uh, Toulouse died. And she, was, she said she was even more distraught than when Pookie left. Every time she'd see the empty bowl, she'd think of him and start to cry. And Spider was very upset. And she said about a few days or I think about a week after this happened, all of a sudden she heard her cell phone go off. And she went over and she saw this ginger cat, which uh, uh, Toulouse was. Both cats were ginger looking cats. And it said, oh, I'm a hairy angel now. And she was like, whoa, what is that? (laughs) And she looked at the cell phone and she said, God, it was this weird app that she'd never even heard of that came on her phone. And it was an orange cat saying, hey, I'm a hairy angel now. And she realized she got a very strong feeling that that was Toulouse letting her know that he was okay. And she went next door to tell the little girl who was with both cats guardian and she was so happy. She she agreed. This is what it was. This is a way that our animals can let us know from beyond that things are okay. So it was some
1: sort of app that, that was available on, on a phone where you can talk to Ginger the cat.
2: Something like that. But she said it's just bizarre because she'd never
1: even used, used it. it. And,
2: and there, it, <laughs> there it was. went off like out of the blue. Yes.
1: We, we've heard of electronic communication uh, beyond the, the threshold of life and death, uh, mm-hmm. and here, here's an, uh, uh, just a beautiful example of that. So uh, I, I just I love that. So tell me about the benefits of the possibility of people volunteering
2: at a shelter, mm-hmm. what that entails. I can tell you my story, which is really not most people's story. What we see, and I'll get back to that, but what we see is that we, if we even volunteer an hour or two, It gives us actual physical benefits. Volunteering, again, boosts our immunity, makes us feel like we have a purpose in life. It gets us out of our spinning records, which oftentimes in our head, which kind of put us in the past and in the future anxiety, depression, and can get us very focused in helping another person. It can boost our positive, again, our hormones. It can help also decrease our blood pressure. There are just many benefits. I always say service serves us. It really does. And what's wonderful is if you add to that, what if you're of service to animals? Now you're not only getting those health benefits of serving, but you're getting the health benefits of being around animals. So I always think it's a twofer in that way. What I think there's many, many possibilities of serving and I think whatever it is that calls to you, but can you imagine if each of of us gave an hour or two of our time and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you could go to a shelter, you could do that. Or if it's with animals, you could also see if a neighbor, a neighbor may need your help because they're older and they can't walk their dog. Or maybe they're, I see a lot now that people are sharing animals, especially in apartments, they share time so monday through wednesday i have a cat or wednesday through friday or a dog or whatever that is so there are a lot of different possibilities or somebody gets sick and they may need your help so there's lots of possibilities now for me i was a bit of a, I, a bit of an oddball with this and this is but on the other hand it's how i i, I got some of my animals my six pack but after i had um I had passed my boards for acupuncture. I was really excited one day and was taking a walk, and I found, of course, I find a dog. Uh-huh. and I'm trying to and then I meet a woman who's trying to help the dog too. And she and I really clicked, and she said, "Why don't you come and help me at the rescue?" So I went, and they had 70 dogs. And, sh- and we couldn't bear the fact that most of them wouldn't get walked. They were in cages. So one day we decided to help all of them, and we we're going to walk every single one of them. So from 8 to 9 p.m., we walked all day long, walking these jobs, trying to get them out of their cages, and we never finished. So this is just a story that shows how much shelters and rescues could really use our help. And at that point, I decided, you know what? I'm just going to get a bunch of people to help. It can't be just uh, the two of us. So we did. We got a lot of people so to help So you became
1: us. The, the volunteer coordinator you made up a new uh, job for yourself so to speak. I pretty Uh, much did I went up to her
2: and I said you need a volunteer coordinator can I do that (laughs) and she said yes please because that was great they need help
1: yeah they do do need help Mm -hmm. that that's that was wonderful and my feet needed a break yeah and then you get all the exercise and (laughs) so forth and all those other benefits let's talk about some other um, animals some other stories um one that really popped out from for me was it was a cat story, Buddha Dharma.
2: Oh, uh, tell us about Buddha Dharma. Right. This is a story about Anne Marie, and it's actually Bodhidharma. Bodhidharma is the reason the reason this cat was called that was because he was a I think a monk, an elevated monk. And Anne Marie has MS, multiple sclerosis. She's paraplegic. And she decided that she was going to go adopt a cat. And she said the moment she laid eyes on Bodhidharma, he was a rescue, I think at the Marin Humane Society, she just knew that was him. From day one, those two have been connected in an extraordinary way. This is the kind of energy, since she can't pet him, she can't touch him, he will come and lay on her. He will come and even let the caretaker know sometimes when she's having trouble breathing. He lets the caretaker know. And Anne-Marie, because all she can really do is move her eyes and she lays eyes on him, she's very, very aware of what he needs. And she will almost very early on know God, he may have a kidney, some kidney issues developing, something is happening, and she will get help for them. So they're very connected on a level that most of us aren't. I mean, they're very super aware of each other. And also, like in the middle of the night, I know that Bodhidharma has let caretakers or let others know that Anne-Marie can't breathe. She's having trouble when they're not aware of it or, you know, I don't know if they're asleep or they're just in another room. So he's very, very sensitive to her. And it's, he is just such a beautiful cat as well. He's just very, he's gray and he's white and he's just got these intense green eyes. So anybody who meets him really does have a sense that he's his elevated being. Wow, that's just, that's wonderful. Uh,
1: Just this way that we can share our lives and we, we don't have the idea nor in our normal life that that how intelligent and how vigilant and this kind of relationship can be if we allow it mm-hmm. so how what 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 advice would you give about how how can we choose our animal companions how what's the best
2: way to go about that i think it's important for us i think there's there's a few answers to that i think it's important for us to be very clear of what we can how we can be the best guardian to an animal that we can if we are limited in space maybe a cat would be a better or a small dog if we have if we're very active maybe a a dog that is also very active would be a better fit for us i like older dogs Older dogs have so much to give us versus a puppy who needs a lot of attention, but older dogs are so amazing just in the love. I mean, they grow in wisdom too, and they have a lot to offer us. So, and also we should allow the shelters or the rescues where we go to help steer us because they also know the animals in their care. And will say, this is what this dog will need. This is what this cat will need. Also, I just think that, um, in terms of selecting to be open-minded because that animal may choose you. And that's what I've seen so often. In many ways, I think that Anne-Marie feels that like Bodhidharma chose her. And there's a couple of, I know that my animals chose me. I mean, I found Roxy in the middle of six lanes of traffic in in Los Angeles. I mean, I feel that every one of my animals chose me. Mm-hmm.
1: If, Either a, a younger dog or older dog, whatever. These days, it seems to me, and one of the reasons that I would hesitate to get a dog mm-hmm. these days is the expense of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, veterinarian bills. I mean, they are really high these days. Mm-hmm. It really. Um, what advice do you have? I mean, it's expensive to to have a, a dog. Let's say, and mm-hmm. and especially an older one that might need some medical help. Right.
2: Yes. Absolutely. That that is an imp- really important consideration because you want to give your your animal companion. I, I want to give them the kind of medical treatment that I would want to receive or that somebody I care about would want to receive. So it is important to know what you can afford. There is insurance. I think it's important to select a vet that you trust and see kind of what insurance they may have. Sometimes some of the rescues have something where they may cover some some kind of finances as well. So that's important to look into that. I also think that if if you really want an animal, if you really want an animal in your life, again, you may want to consider sharing one, sharing an animal. You may consider volunteering. So you spend a lot of time around animals, but then you can go home and you wouldn't be responsible for the medical care. So there are a lot of options. There are a lot of ways to play with it, and I think one can be very creative. Those are good alternatives. And I know
1: uh, one of the things that I do whenever I go to the grocery store, the store that I go to, they have a, a special tag on my keychain, and they will donate to whatever, you know, mm-hmm. so much of whatever I'm paying for for my groceries to mm-hmm. whatever um, uh, charity that mm-hmm. I want to donate, so mm-hmm. I donate to the local SPCA, uh, and, and so I feel really good when I when I give my keychain over every every time right. I go to the grocery store, and I know that that yes. that some of my some it feels painless to me a way to mm-hmm. donate to these right. services. I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Carlene Montez. And she is the author of Dog is My Doctor, Cat is My Nurse. I'm Justine Willis Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. Mm-hmm. I'm here with Carlene Montez Dioka, and we're talking about dogs and cats as our wellness allies, as well as companions. And um, you know, I'm I'm just thinking about if let's suppose uh, if this is just such a wonderful vision I have, like we're having a really really stressful day. Let's say mm-hmm. we've been. Commuting, and we're getting off the commute, and we get out of our car, and we've just had this stressful, stressful day. And we walk into our house, and we have this dog companion, and they're sitting by the door, greeting us with a ball or a frisbee in her mouth is our dog. And wow, don't, don't, whatever, it's just that moment that. You just have to melt,
2: don't you? It's just. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in addition to that, I think if you have a family around you, as you were describing that, I was thinking about my oldest dog who's 16. Her name is Dakota. And she has a ball that's very heavy, but she carts it around and she'll just drop it in front of you. And suddenly everybody who's around, my stepdaughter, my son-in-law, my husband, we all start laughing and engaging with her. So this builds our family. It builds a closeness that otherwise we'd be all in our corners doing something completely different. It allows us to laugh. It allows us to play. And sometimes that's the only time in our day where we may actually have that interaction. That's so great. That's
1: so great. I'm thinking of some some of the qualities, especially of dogs, mm-hmm. you know, that quality of loyalty and a quality... Um, of cheerleading they seem to be our cheerleaders and admirers i mean they they don't care how our size or whether um you know whether our hair is done up or whatever it is you know they just they just really admire us as we are and um there i know that you've have some uh, experience with dogs and cats and their ability to forgive So I'd love for you to say something about forgiveness and what they have
2: to teach us about that. Right. Especially coming from a world of rescue, that is one of the greatest lessons I have seen, that I've seen such really awful things happen with dogs. And somehow when they are adopted into a loving family, like what we like to call the forever home, that they let go of the past. You know, it still may be there. They still may have the affliction, whatever has happened, but their capacity to love is tremendous. And I always think to myself, gosh, if we had the capacity to let go of all, I mean, some of the things that happened to us aren't even nearly as close as what has happened, the trauma that has happened to them. And yet they're able to forgive. They're able to let go. They're able to love again. And one of the things I always suggest to people is look at yourself, forgive yourself. Look at yourself with the eyes that your dog or your cat looks at you with. See what they see and see if they, you can't forgive yourself because you're seeing this amazing reflection in their eyes.
1: You, you tell a story uh, between your, your cat and your dog. Um, they had a, a fight mm-hmm. for some reason, mm-hmm. uh, and you notice
2: something happened between them that—describe uh, that, what happened— this was my this was my dog Rudy and my cat Jester who's this little tuxedo cat Rudy he's kind of a, a brown lab mix they were always great friends great friends I have so many pictures of them lying together enjoying each other <laughs> Jester would groom Rudy and one day I don't even know what happened there was some altercation and there was a fight and I got in there and separated everybody and. I got, you know, I assessed, is everybody okay? And I realized, yes, everybody's okay. It's just the fright of it. And now they didn't want to have anything to do with each other. And that was really sad. And I was doing my best not to make them get together, but just to see if there wasn't any way we can facilitate them coming together. But it wasn't happening. Weeks had passed. And one day, Ken and I, my husband, were at the breakfast table. And all of a sudden, I said, Ken, don't move, but just look. And he turned around, and there was Jester the cat sitting, and Rudy was sitting too, and they were just looking at each other. But the thing was that there wasn't a fright. There wasn't any fear. And then suddenly, Jester started walking to Rudy, leaned in with his little nose, his little tiny nose, and there was Rudy's big nose, and they touched noses. And they stayed there for a moment, and then it was boom. You could feel the energy just completely gone, and that was it. And I thought to myself, that's forgiveness. That's letting go of the past. It's done, and it was. And it was.
1: And, and then you mentioned uh, there is that, that forgiveness poem that you mention in the book, and, and it's a Hawaiian poem. And
2: so how does that poem go? It goes, I am sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And it's such a simple, simple poem,
1: those four lines. And if we just can remember those and recall them and have them at our ready whenever we are feeling stressed out and just reminding us and our animals that, that forgive us constantly, uh, they, can, they can remind us to remember that.
2: Wouldn't it be wonderful if all of us were saying that repeatedly in our cars? Our traffic would probably go a lot more easily, a lot less road rage, if we were just engaging in that as a mantra as we drive.
1: Beautiful. Beautiful. Let's make it so. Just a reminder that how... We need to practice this often, mm-hmm. and our dogs and cats remind us, even our birds too. I mean, mm-hmm. birds can be uh, part of this whole pantheon. Wonderful too. reminders, yeah,
2: of yeah. forgiveness, yeah
1: so any any other uh, animal stories i I can think I think of um your teddy and the Tarot. Can you
2: say something oh. about Teddy and the Tarot? sure that that was very powerful. Well, I guess I'm giving away that Teddy does pass away. Teddy, it was an old dog that I rescued. I think he was maybe 10 and he was it was funny because all of my dogs have been rescues mixes. I don't even know what they are. But here came into our life this full, um, a full chow. You know, he was completely chow. But he looked the worst out of all of our dogs. His hair was always really matty and, and gray. And just he looked like a mop when I first got him. But anyway, he was a tremendous, tremendous uh, family member. Unfortunately, when he was about 15, he did pass away. I went into a restaurant. And I saw a woman who was sitting there who was a tarot card reader. And she said, uh, she, she said, can I give you a reading? And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? I'm waiting for my food. And she read it. And I thought, "Okay, that was interesting and didn't think much about it. But then I got up to leave. And suddenly, I literally felt this heat wave in my body and heard the word out loud in my head, Teddy. And I thought, "Okay, that was my intuition. Let me go tell her. And I said, hey, I just got this feeling and this is what happened. And she said, we need to choose again. So she took, she says, let's both choose a card. And each one of us took a card. We didn't show it to each other, but then we did. And she said, well, that's interesting. There are, there's two dogs in the tarot cards. And I hadn't even told her Teddy was a dog. I just said the name Teddy. And she said, your dog is in a place where there's a lot of stars. And I thought to myself, isn't that interesting? Because my friend had just gone up to Shasta and put up. She said the night was just the most incredible stars at the top of the mountain, right. and she had put a little flag for Teddy. And I and she said, you know what? You aren't y- this dog wasn't. It, it was different between you two. You were more like a guardian to him. And I thought, oh my gosh, she's hitting everything. You know, I was the head of, or the one of the spokespeople for the Guardian campaign, and she says he needs you to know he's all right. And you were here to help him to the next place. And I. And she said, but he needs you to know he's okay. And when I left that, I thought, wow, this is what we're here to do. We're not owners. We're guardians. We're here to help our animals. They're here to help us really to move our consciousness to a higher place. So beautiful. So beautiful.
1: I'd love, uh, Carlene, for you to say something about why it might be important for us to choose to adopt rather than to to buy an animal?
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know that a lot of people know, but there's a million and a half perfectly adoptable dogs and cats in our shelters right now who will be euthanized. And any one of them could be such a wonderful dog doctor, a cat nurse. Think about it. When you take medication, you ever looked on the side of the bottle, it says all the side effects and the last one's death. <laughs> Think <laughs> yeah. of the side effect of having a companion animal in your home. Side effect of unconditional love, companionship, friendship, loyalty, kindness, so many things. I mean, who? if, if somebody were to give you a medication how much would that had all that, how much would you pay for that? But instead, here are these perfectly adoptable, wonderful animals, and because they've had their experiences, they need you so much more. So, until that number is zero, I would say please adopt and don't shop.
1: How perfect! How perfect! And I'm I'm also thinking that if if you if you do this, um, the, the the benefits uh, to both the the dog or the cat and to yourself mm-hmm. are just tremendous, tremendous. And, and it's it's I I think that you say something or you quote someone in your book uh, that uh, doctors don't make house calls anymore but uh, our our animal companions are there 24 7 for us
2: that's right they' they they are there for us 24 7. So so I just want to thank you so much,
1: Carlene, for being with us today. It was my pleasure. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed it as well. And I've been here with Carlene montez Dioka, and she's the author of Dog as My Doctor, Cat as My Nurse, An Animal Lover's Guide to a Healthy, Happy, and Extraordinary Life. And if you want to know about her work, you can go to her website, animal.com humanhealth.com, and she spells her name, Carlene, C-A-R-L-Y-N, Montez, M-O-N-T-E-S, D E O C A, and you can get there. If you can't remember all of that, you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions.
0: New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine willis Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. This program was recorded at Strawberry Hill Productions, a full-service podcast production studio in Novato, California. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson.